a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot and Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Friday night, 19th of January. Welcome to it. Good evening, Diane. Good evening, Craig, and how are you today? I'm excited today because we are doing the full hour with a very special guest tonight. Yes, we are. And he's a friend of the show and a personal friend of both of ours. Mudar Zakran has been a a guest on this show. I, I can't even begin to count how many times. And I was telling Diane before we took to the air tonight, I said, I get so excited when we have Mudar Zakran on because we get more useful information from Mudar in an hour than we can get from all the television uh, reports of things that are going on in the Middle East in six months. That's very true. And we get direct information, not watered down stuff that you unfortunately get from our media here. That's right. Now, folks, if you don't know, Mudar Zakran is the Secretary General of the Jordanian Opposition Coalition. He is a pro-Israel Palestinian, and um, it's amazing the information that he always imparts on us. So let's welcome to the show Mudar Zakran. Mudar, hello. Uh, Hello. Thanks for having me again, my friends. Yes. Pleasure to be with you. We're happy to have you. You know, it's it's uh, it's always great when we get, you know, the real story uh, without all the the smoke and the mirrors and and everything else. And Mudar, I guess maybe the the place to start uh, is going back to that awful day uh, in October, uh, October seventh, when Hamas attacked Israel. Um, f- for us uh, over here, and I think for most of the world, that was. Uh, a real shock. Uh, was was that really a shock to you? How, you know, with your uh, ties to that area, or did you know not not necessarily that it was coming like that? But but were there warning signs that everybody missed? Well, um, what I may need to explain to the listeners is the fact that I've spent a good chunk of my life being connected to the uh, intelligence world, having worked for uh, the U.S. Department of State and for the embassies in both Amman, Jordan, and Iraq. And, uh, um, you know, eventually, you know, I found my way into the intelligence world, and it's been quite quite a life. Uh, And once you're there, you're you're always there. You never come out. That said, um, my connections and the people in behind closed doors in both Israel and Washington have had knowledge that this might happen. We began hearing about it, receiving intel about it since February, mm-hmm. so eight months before the event. But all the intelligence pointed at the direction of the north that hmm. the attack would come from the north, from from uh, Hezbollah, northern Israel. Especially that Hezbollah has done that before, uh, almost uh, 18 years ago, 
they attacked Israel, kidnapped soldiers, and took them back. And been, and also the other option, the other expected option was uh, potential. I mean, hazard was coming from the Jordanian borders, where the monarchy in Jordan is very hostile to Israel. No one expected Gaza because God, Hamas would be going on a suicide mission if it did that. And um, therefore, I think the um, it definitely was an intelligence failure, but no one expected Hamas would do this because this would mean the end of Hamas. So no one thought Hamas would do it. Hmm. Uh, when this happened, you could tell that, you know, Hamas was on a mission. The insiders in Hamas, the people who are insiders, as in the ones who are living in Gaza, Hamas leaders in Gaza, were totally against it because they they got rich, filthy rich in Gaza. They control, control the population. They take advantage of the women. They, uh, they ride expensive vehicles. They live rich, like you would think Gaza is like Palm Beach. They, they're, they're part of Gaza. It's like pretty much like Palm Beach, Florida. And mm-hmm. uh, they didn't want to lose much. On the other hand, the most influential leaders for Hamas were abroad. They live in Qatar and Jordan. And there was a huge conflict which is coming out to the surface between both. The ones inside Gaza, they want this war. The ones outside wanted it because... You could tell someone else was moving into into it. I've said this before on your show, and I have to repeat it again. Officially, on documents, on papers, Hamas is, quote, and quote, the Palestine chapter. I repeat, the Palestine chapter of the Muslim Brotherhood in Jordan. That's what I thought. Okay. And the Muslim Brotherhood in Jordan is loyal to the king of Jordan and totally controlled by the Jordanian intelligence. Someone might say, come on, come on. Okay, April, and you're going to have to allow me to do this because many people cannot even believe it when I say the king controls the Muslim Brotherhood. The so-called peaceful, westernized king of Jordan controls all the sinister work of the Muslim Brotherhood of Jordan and yeah. elsewhere. And I'll give you the evidence. Interview with the Atlantic magazine, April 2013. King of Jordan says, the Muslim Brotherhood is a part of my system. Also, another interview, he said, I think it was CNN, he said they are part of the regime. The king's wife told Christiane Amanpour on the 3rd of November, 2016, she said the Muslim Brotherhood is a legitimate organization. So in other words, words, King Abdullah actually, would you say he is a part of Hamas? He controls Hamas. Hamas... Uh, and you know, sadly, it's it's a lot a lot of theory or a lot of information in one go. But the Muslim Brotherhood is a very tightly and strictly controlled organization. Right. When you join the Muslim Brotherhood, the first thing they do is they bring the copy of the Quran and a gun, which they point to your head, and you swear in the Quran that you're going to do a sama' wa ta'a, which means. You're going to obey no matter what. Hmm. Hamas would have never pulled this one off without full authorization from the Muslim Brotherhood of Jordan. Muslim Brotherhood of Jordan would have never done this without having it commissioned from the king. Anyways, this is just to explain to the listeners who they're dealing with when they say the king of Jordan. Well, and let me just remind you that the eve before the massacre took place, uh, the king's wife was at a so-called youth festival in Ireland. And she got the microphone to speak. And instead of talking about youth, she began attacking Israel and saying, Israel kills Palestinians left and right, kills Palestinian children. She said that the eve of the massacre, 
the 6th of October. Wow. So obviously, he mm-hmm. knew something we didn't know. And you can always Google all everything I'm saying here. You can always look it up and verify it. Right. That said, we, from an intelligence point of view, the stuff you cannot find online, we know this attack came from three, uh, was orchestrated by three different uh, governments. One is the government of Jordan. Right. The second is the Egyptian government, basically the Egyptian military intelligence, which is fully controlled by President Sisi of Egypt. And three, an Arab Gulf state, which I cannot disclose at the moment, who has a peace agreement with Israel. There are two Gulf states which hold, uh, you know, has embassies or peace agreements with Israel. And uh, it's, uh, I can't disclose which one, but eventually, you know, a year or two, this is going to come out. You mean they're actually violating the Abraham Accords that were signed? Abrahamic Accords, yeah, but not only that, you know, they've been in all three of them. Jordan, that Gulf state, and and Egypt have always been in bed with terror groups. Unlike what you keep hearing in official media. Right. The reason terror groups in the Middle East still exist is the fact that most Arab countries, official regimes who claim claim to be normal, claim to be peaceful and pro-Western, are actually in bed in cahoots with terror groups. It's calling working both ends against the middle. They scare the West with terror groups, and they support terror groups. And I have to add that there are elements within the globalist deep state in Washington who actually work very hard to sustain those terror groups. Let me give you an example. After 9-11, the uh, George W. Bush Bush Jr. (coughs) created the Department of Homeland Security. And it was openly, um, it was not even a secret that the Department of Homeland Security looked at what they identified as quote-unquote Immigrants of interest, basically immigrants from the Middle East and Muslims. When Bush was and the DHS were deporting Muslims left and right from the United States, I think in the year 2003 alone, they deported 200,000 Arabs from the United States. I'm not sure on the figure, but I've read it somewhere. And they they deported, I, I was in the U.S. then, living in New Hampshire. And I remember how difficult it was for you like to renew your driver's license, to get any documents. Some sort of alarm went up. It's understandable, given 9-11 took place, but I'm telling you the way it was. At that very time, Bush was going bananas on any followers of the Muslim faith. He was receiving care, C-I, C-A-I-R. Oh, yeah. At right at the White House, you can just Google his pictures with him, and all of those guys are Muslim Brotherhood, and one of Hamas' current most senior leader, Abu Marzouk, was known to be friends with him. So if he, you know, he should have Bush, if he was serious at all about fighting terrorism, he should have not gone after Arab gas station workers and Delhi store. Uh, Workers, he should have gone after those people first and first of all because they had money, nada, nothing. So mm-hmm. let's be clear: terror groups have always been the sweet, the Islamist terror groups have always been the sweethearts of Western intelligence agency, including the CIA and other places. Now, I'm not accusing the CIA of being the creator of terror groups, but during the Soviet Union, they chose to deal with the Muslim terror groups to hurt the Soviet Union. And after the Soviet Union was gone, it seems to me that the warmongers, you know, military-industrial complex, whatever you want to call it, they needed an enemy to deal with. And, you know, in a corrupt build-up of the deep state in the United States and elsewhere, it was easy to you know, um, you know, 
fatten the dragon or fatten the you know feed the beast in order to mm-hmm. sustain sustain and you saw you know 20 years of war in Afghanistan and similar number of years in Iraq for nothing this is a whole different discussion but i don't think they were serious and the king of jordan and his cronies actually have had those who support them in washington dc but this is where the the whole world went upside down turned upside down for them when trump won even though trump is out of the white house right now um things have ne- will never be the same for them for the sinister guys because it's the military intelligence establishment in the US which is taking the bull by the horn and actually choosing to defeat the islamist and this has begun with hamas That's hamas people must look they you know henry kissinger always said look at the map hmm. if you look at the map the country of israel slash palestine whatever you wish to call it whatever historically that country was i don't care all i care for is that country known as israel today is the corridor between africa and asia oh yeah mm-hmm. and gaza is right at the tip of that corridor what happened is hamas carried out it was the 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 place was run by a palestinian authority which is corrupt and sinister but not exactly crazy like hamas right and hamas pulled a coup killed uh, officials of the palestinian authority threw them down from buildings from high rise buildings and and you know even slaughtered their families in front of them there was a case where they killed two two children you know gunned them down because the father was with PLO it's a famous you know very notorious incident Hamas carried out a bloody coup in Gaza in 2006 Hamas only carried out that coup because their master the government of Jordan the king of Jordan authorized it and the king of Jordan would have never dead authorize it without a go ahead or at least a green light from Washington from George W Bush's administration that said that said and it shows how much the american people are tricked you know people thought you know bush junior was the crusader against terrorism against radical islam against you know sinister forces it turns out he was just one of them and that being the case um hamas controlled the most critical point connecting asia and africa connecting the christian world to the muslim world and connecting to the middle east and on top of it sitting at one of the richest gas fields in the world which could have been and still could be shared between the palestinians and israelis So those people were, you know, put there surgically put there to make sure that neither the Palestinians or the Israelis could ever become normal. Because if there was the wealth if they got to ex- exploit it, the Palestinians would get their share of a massive gas wealth. They would they, they, they are few in numbers the Palestinians. They're not they barely the population of New York. Not even less. It's much less than that. if they are to become rich like Saudi Arabia or Qatar they would forget about this whole war thing so they made sure that this wouldn't happen and nothing was done to remove Hamas from uh, Gaza now the US military has taken the gloves off regardless of anything anyone in Washington wishes to say and i would have to give it as much as you may not like what i'm saying I will have to give this to President Biden. I have to give him this credit. He's not opposing what the US military is doing at the moment. That's true. And uh, uh, and a lot of us are shocked about that. I told you because there are balances in Washington at the moment and those balances include the fact that the military again is taking the bull by the horn. That said, 
um, they're going to start by annihilating Hamas. And once they annihilate Hamas, and this is all intel, not my guess, they're going to go after uh, Hezbollah. And I can assure you, the attack on Hezbollah will come sometime um, towards the second half of this year, the latest. So if it if it's really, really late, it's going to be July, and that's like way too late. And after that, they're going to go for all the sinister dictators who supported the Muslim Brotherhood and the terrorists in the region and across the world. Uh, we're looking at the moment of rebirth. It's painful. Giving birth, delivery is a very painful process, be it delivery of a human or delivery of a nation. The American people have always been a very hated and sworn enemy of the globalist sinister forces. Yes. Because the entire American concept is anti-dictatorship. Dictatorship slavery is based on glorifying human over other humans. Glorifying a king or a family over other families. Making everyone suffer so one family thrives. The Americans broke all of those crazy concepts the minute the Tea Party took place. Uh, in addition to the right to, to bear arms. So therefore, the biggest obstacle the Americans, the globalists face in executing their crazy plans for this world is the American people. That's why the American people, in my opinion, having grown up in America are under war. They've been fought. They are facing a silent war in their own country. <laughs> they are being taxed to death by crazy politicians. They are being pushed to their limits with their mortgages, with highway robberies like what happened in 2008. They are being squeezed by crazy laws. If you don't pay, a, you forget to pay a parking ticket in some states, you might actually, actually go to jail. In Georgia, for example, if you drive without an insurance, you might face four years in jail. Here in the UK, for example, you would never go to jail for that. It's crazy. That's why you have the highest, a democracy like the United States has the highest number of incarcerated people. It, it's a war on American people. And on top of that, they don't have a universal health insurance. So people, you know, the biggest, everything they've accomplished in their life, if they get into a health condition, they're done. This is not fit for what a country, you know, that has done so much for the world and a nation that's so glory, it's so glorious, so, so, so righteous so precious to the world like the American nation. Yeah. Do American people realize they're being fought by the own the very puppets they've gotten used to see? I don't know if they do, but I think th there's a, a change of heart in America. At the same time, the only ones I can trust in the United States right now are men and women in uniform. And yeah. that's all service men and women in addition to the U.S. military intelligence, the Defense Intelligence Agency, in addition to, sorry, in addition to the righteous reformist people within the CIA. Can Those I ask you a question? Just one comment, please, Dan. Okay. Those people now have sent the largest um, deployment of U.S. military and Navy to the Middle East, actually to anywhere in the world since World War II. Mm -hmm. We've got destroyers, uh, aircraft carriers all over the place. And my intel information confirm they're going to finish the job by the end of 2025. And this is what's going to transpire. 
end of the Arab-Israeli conflict, I repeat, end, total end of the Arab-Israeli conflict and the destruction of the very last terror group in the Middle East. That area, allow me just to explain why the Middle East is so important. Many people, even Americans, wonder, like, this, you know, nothing countries, those nothing countries, they don't even all have oil. They've got camels and deserts. Why are we so concerned with them? And I, I know there's a question there, but let me just explain That's this. All right. in a no, go ahead. Nutshell. The Middle East is so important because, because there's in, in the military, military science, there's something called the point of gravity. An example, the point of gravity to America and Canada is the United Kingdom. If the United Kingdom falls, for example, what could have happened in World War II with Hitler, that would have meant that America and Canada would have been just next. Mm -hmm. The point of gravity of the world, the point of gravity of both North and South America are Europe, including the United Kingdom, Britain. The point of gravity to those, basically the world, is the Middle East from a military point of view. Mm-hmm. And the point of gravity for the Middle East is those two countries called Jordan and Israel. So now people might begin to understand why this is a very problematic place and why the U.S. military is spending blood and treasure to stabilize it. Uh, Your question, Diane. Okay. An interesting development happened this week that sort of took everybody out uh, out of the blue. Pakistan attacked Iran. It was a retaliatory strike from what I understand. If Pakistan enters into this fray, and I'm assuming by their going and attacking Iran, that they are siding with Israel because Benjamin Netanyahu made a statement, I believe it was yesterday, but don't hold me to that, that don't worry, we, we are going to take care of Iran is Pakistan now entering into the fray, making the war expand throughout the Middle East? And are they on the side of Israel? Okay, well, it's it's not the right thing at all to say Pakistan is on Israel's side. Pakistan has its own affiliation, <clears throat> which is not connected much to the United States. United Kingdom, the uh, like Britain, has a lot of sway over Pakistan, but okay. Pakistan's heart is somewhere else. On the other hand, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So right. basically, they both have a mutual enemy, which is Iran. No, there will not be. There will not be a regional war. It's not going to happen. This is a very well-controlled situation. It's a process of, I would say, amputation. Amputating the terrorists from our region, the Middle East. And I'm not even the least concerned with regional war. Okay. That's fascinating. Well, you know more about that than we do. All right, we, we're hitting the bottom of the hour here, so we're going to take a quick break, folks. But you see what I mean when I said it at the top of the show? We get more information from Mudar Zakran, more clear, unfiltered information from Mudar Zakran uh, in an hour on our show than you can get in six months uh, by listening to all the, the networks combined. And if you don't believe that, we're only 30 minutes into this show, and look what we've already learned. I mean, this, this is, I mean, absolutely fascinating folks. Stay with us because we've got plenty more to come with Mudar Zakran on right side Patriots after this. 
You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori with you on Right Side Patriots, getting you through the Friday night edition of the show. And trust me, if you've missed any part of this show, you've missed a whole lot of great information. So you'll want to go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and hear everything. Um, and, and you may want to just listen again, even if you're catching the whole show tonight, because this is absolutely fascinating. Our guest for the entire hour tonight is Mudar Zakran, and he is the Secretary General of the Jordanian Opposition. And uh, we get so much great information from Mudar, and tonight he is filling us in on all the blanks that are being left by the mainstream media when it comes to the situation going on in the Middle East. And Diane, I don't know about you, but I am just fascinated sitting here absolutely absolutely and i have another question for mudar we in this country we all know that iran is funding and shipping arms to hamas we've all known that for years we also believe that hamas is one of iran's proxy armies but exactly how deep is Iran into the whole fabric of the Middle East? Is it even deeper than we suspect? Well, for, uh, for, that's a very good question. Well, first of all, uh, Hamas is not a not even close to a proxy army for Iran. Okay, Hamas is fully and tightly controlled by. Jordan's Department of Intelligence, which is run by the king himself. No right. question about that. Also, okay. Hamas, in the case of Hamas, is financed by uh, Qatar. Oh, by Qatar. And, and, and that's, that's considered a, a U.S. ally. Right. So the finance is always most terror groups in the Middle East. The finance is from Qatar. The logistics and the um, and the logistics and you know like weapons smuggling etc. is provided by Iran and uh, the the inte- the intelligence work and cover is provided by the government of Jordan. This some of you might not believe this, but it is what it is, and you can always do your own research. Right. But in, in, in other words, then, Iran's whole rhetoric about Israel is the little Satan, the United States is the big Satan, 
he is actually following then what the I king of Jordan following tells. I'm listening. No, oh, I, no, no. Is he actually then is Iran in an roundabout way actually taking orders from Jordan? No, um, not not even close. Okay. Um, Iran is just a facade. Iran has been portrayed as way much bigger and larger than the treaty is. Okay. Iran is nothing more than a facade and a boogeyman. Iran was created, and this is not a conspiracy theory. I have the evidence. Iran was created under the watchful eye of the CIA under President Carter. The Iranian revolution was led by communists. Right. Right. And America placed the Khomeini to save the country from falling into the Soviet Union. And they kept supporting the country for a very long time with weapons, intel, and much more. And this was most apparent when Bush W, you can tell I'm not exactly in love with the guy, George Bush Jr., when he occupied Iraq illegally and killed 2 million Iraqis, he handed the government of Iraq, all of it, he handed it on a silver platter to Iran. Hmm. And Iran has been controlling the wealth and government of Iraq all that time. Iran has been all the countries who are the closest to the deep state in Washington are very friendly with Iran. This includes Jordan. This includes, also the list includes United Arab Emirates, Qatar, which holds the largest American base potentially in the world, and the Central Command HQ. So basically, you can tell Iran was actually supported by a certain faction in the United States. This became public knowledge under Obama, you know, lifting the sanctions, transferring all those money. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I'm not sure this the current administration is keen on squeezing Iran either. So I wouldn't worry much about Iran. I would worry much about the crazies who are still lurking within the offices of the CIA and other places in D.C. and Virginia, Langley, Virginia, who might uh, just keep supporting Iran. So Iran, you know, if there was, if the U.S. really decides to, like, impoverish Iran to death, they can do it, like, over two or three years. Very interesting. Makes sense. That that really answers a lot of questions. And it really kind of fills in a lot of blanks because we keep wondering why nobody is going after Iran, you know, Iran's making a lot of noise, you know, we're going to attack shipping, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And of course, a lot of it is getting blamed on Iran, but you don't really see any of the key players, Israel or the U.S., actually going after Iran for any of this. I mean, you know, we're, we're going after a little bit Hezbollah, and of course, you know, Israel's going after Hamas, but Iran always just seems to get left out of the mix. Mudar, is Iran actually a player in the in the situation that we see between Israel and Hamas right now, or are they just on the sidelines making noise? No, they they they, they are they are players, uh, big players, but they're not the biggest in the in the particular case in Hamas, Jordan government of Jordan controls that entity to, to to the smallest you know level up to the highest level down to atoms the way they act they control them uh, but in the bigger picture Iran controls uh, Hezbollah and Israel and this Intel I can share with you on your show um, my very very well informed sources 
confirmed to me that the war between Israel and Hezbollah is coming, not may come. It's coming. Hmm. And it's coming, <clears throat> and also it's expected to make uh, the the war in Gaza look like child's play. Wow. This is why uh, they put the war, Israel put the war in Gaza on the back burner. Uh, very slow, very, you know, light fire. They're still keeping the grip on Hamas, but they've done, they've finished 85% of the work. And they want to finish the remaining 15% gradually without too much, you know, damage to their troops because they have a much bigger war to fight right. in the north. The war in Hezbollah is coming. Israel has been bombing them uh, nonstop every day to an extent scale, but it's going to grow larger you, and bigger. Do you think any of this at all is going to tie into the U.S. presidential election timing-wise? Um. I think the Iranians, you know, they, the later the Israeli attacks, the better for the Iranians. Because if they pull this war, if the Israelis are late with the war, where it would coincide or be close to the elections, it will potentially push the Americans from all sides to tell the Israelis to keep it quiet until the elections pass away. So I kid you not, the Israelis have a very limited time scale to operate. I'm expecting the war very, very soon. I think, or actually I know, I know when the war is going to take place, but I can never disclose that. Right. Uh, But it's actually sooner rather than later. I could throw out a date I think it might happen on, uh, because these attacks seem to happen on certain Jewish holidays. Remember, this was 50 years after, I believe it was the Yom Kippur War, October 6th. They, they seem to pick dates that are, are numerically and also affecting religious, uh, religious holidays. Do you think this war could actually come around the time of Passover? I can't comment about that. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's, it's going <laughs> to, it's, it's I can't even say yes or no. But okay. all I can say is it's going to be awful. Okay. Israel will, will lose some of its finest young men and women, but will definitely annihilate the enemy in this particular case. Because okay. the U.S. Army and warships are in the Mediterranean and the U.S. might get involved if they need to. So, Israelis, so, and I, I and I suggest, you know, I really suggest for those who are interested to even take notes, mark my words, Israelis will roll their tanks eventually all the way to Beirut, the capital good. of Lebanon. They're not going to occupy, but Israelis are going to send troops on the ground all the way to the Lebanese capital. Okay, this is so, going to be an act of execution of an entire terror group. Okay, so just to be clear, what what you're what you're telling our listeners and telling Diane and myself tonight is while the upcoming war against Hezbollah uh, that's going to be waged by Israel is going to be, in your words, an awful war. It's also a necessary action. It's going to be one of the worst wars Israel has ever engaged in in its history, if not the worst. And, you and, don't and, think this would wait, 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 wait. And, and yet necessary. Necessary to, unavoid, to rid... Unavoidable. 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 Okay. If they don't attack, Hezbollah is going to attack. Okay. You don't believe, though, it would ever escalate into a tactical nuclear war? No, not even close. <laughs> Okay. Not even close for countless reasons. Not even not even plausible. It's not going to happen. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, hmm. so Moonar, let me ask you this. Um, you know, w- w- you're filling us in on some great information where uh, you know, the war in the Middle East is concerned. 
I'm interested also in your uh, viewpoint on all the anti-Semitic nonsense that we see going on, not only in our country, but in the UK and and other uh, Western nations. Um, these, these ridiculous marches in the streets, the things that are happening on university campuses, what, what is your take on all of that? Well, basically it's, you know, it's always the, the oldest, the oldest, you know, piece of wisdom is always follow the money. This effort is still motivated extremely vicious, carefully planned, and formidably consistent to be volunteer work. I'm not saying everyone who is sympathizing with my own people dying in Gaza is an anti-Semite or someone who's been bought, but I think those in the leadership level of those marches, I think many of them are receiving something for their fully dedicated effort. Hmm. Also, it's very interesting that they've never called for the Palestinians' right anywhere else. So there's no need to to state the obvious, which is it's either that they've been bought or they're totally misinformed or they they just hate Jews, which are found to be the case in many, many places, especially in the European continent. Um, it's not in my interest as a Jordanian, a Palestinian heritage, to have the Jews demonized. You can look up an old, a very old piece of mine, an article I wrote for the Jerusalem Post by the uh, titled uh, uh, titled um, demonizing Israel is bad for the Palestinians. We let me set the record straight. This is not about you know um, rainbows and roses. This is not about you know me being goody two shoes. The Palestinians and the Israelis are like two people joined by by the hip who couldn't stand one another. Yes, it's true that most of the trouble in recent history, most of the trouble came from my people rather than from the Jews. But also the Jews have done a number of the Palestinians in the old days. Let's admit that both sides have done a number on one another. Our, our side has been more engaged with terrorism. That's, that's true. But also both sides have done very unkind things to one another. Now, Fast forward 80 years, there's no way out for either side without connecting to one another. There will be a new, and mark my words, there will be a new ruling system in Jordan after this dust settles. And the ruling class in Palestine, in the Palestinian territories, will be annihilated, finished, made decommissioned, if that's the word. And then there will be a sort of arrangement between Jordan and those places, which does not step on Israeli sovereignty when it comes to the West Bank. Right. And the Israelis will be able to extend their sovereignty to the West Bank, but not into the Palestinian areas of A and B. And eventually, there will be some sort of federation, federation like the Swiss Federation. Mm-hmm. Switzerland is made up of even different counties. Four different languages are spoke spa- spoken in uh, Switzerland, you know, Italian, French, German, Dutch, and they are very, very different people. I've been there. They are different people, different food, different habits. And you can tell when you move from one, but at the end, they all have a federation 
and this will require economic prosperity, economic prosperity, which could never happen with people like the King of Jordan stealing most of the wealth of the country, with people like Abbas and the Palestinian Authority stealing all the money. Mm-hmm. It could never happen with the presence of terror groups, could never happen with Palestinian and Jordanian children being taught to kill Jews at schools, and also could never happen, could never happen if we have Israelis, so-called Israelis, who claim to be Israelis, whose hearts and bank accounts are somewhere else. I can authoritatively tell you there has been huge issues with certain Israelis who influence public opinion and policy who are literally bought by foreign governments. Hmm. Many of them. Many of them. And they've made, they are the ones making Netanyahu's life a living hell at a time where they should back him up. So all of those, you know, excuse my language, scum will be done away with under the watchful eyes and very sharp spears of both the U.S. and Israeli military. You will watch this happen and then we will move into a broader rolling of the concept and I repeat the concept will be walled over the entire Middle East over the next 10 to 15 years and eventually the world this might sound too promising today but what makes you a politician a real politician sees what's not yet has happened rather say, a military general who sees the way it is right now. Right. Change for the better for our grandchildren. And this bogus, ugly, disgusting, and sickening Palestinian-Arab conflict is going to end for good. Also, the men who were involved in what happened on the 7th of October... The, the death sentences have been issued for each and every one of them. I'm not talking only about the terror, terror leaders. I'm talking about the heads of states who were involved in this. You will pay. Guaranteed. Yeah. And all of the security guards that you're going to plant around you are not going to serve you. May I remind them of the a terrorist who carried out the Munich attack in 1972. One of them got killed, assassinated in 1992, 20 years after the event. So all of them who got involved in this dirty mess, which was very painful, not only the, you know, the, the, the most disgusting thing, and we can talk about this forever, is the amount of rapes and assaults that took place. And uh, it's beyond anything I can speak about. I was at a different interview uh, just uh, the other day, and when I began talking about details, I ran out of breath and I couldn't finish because, you know, I've got children, I've got little girls within that age to be sexually assaulted by a group of men Mm -hmm. and then shot in the head. I mean, I saw one photo a week ago that was out, out of this world. And um, it's, those people are evil. Uh, I have not, not enough words to say how much we need to get rid of them. Bottom line is, people who, are, who have been pampered for too long by the globalists, by the baby killers, by the enemies of humanity, you got involved into this thinking you're going to come out, trust me, you will pay. You're going to pay for this, guaranteed.
Can yes or no? The king's wife. The king's wife. I'm sorry to say this. Shortly after the event, she was on television twice at CNN. Surprise, surprise. She made the most anti-Semitic statements in the world, and she began blaming Jews. She was saying, "You know, they anyone who criticizes anyone who criticizes Israel is blamed for being anti-Semitic." No, mm-hmm. it's not anti-Semitic to criticize Israel. It was disgusting, and worst of all, this is a woman whose own kingdom was stabilized and protected by Israel. Right. Well, before we end, because we're getting near that time, this question is very simple: yes or no. Do you think the hostages are still alive? Um. Yes, uh, but the number as of yesterday, because the intelligence community knows. An estimate. The numbers as of a week ago was one thirty. Right. The numbers as of today is one twenty-eight. So slowly, for slowly, they're taking them down. Yeah, that's what I thought. Many died. Many died through uh, during the bombing because Gaza is very densely densely populated, and you know, whatever you bomb, you're gonna kill someone. Right. Right. And but there was a recent incident of two men who got killed. Hamas executed them, no questions asked. So mm-hmm. they began to kill the hostages. That's what they're doing. Yeah, that's what I was afraid. That that's what I was afraid of hearing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. We've only got a couple of minutes left here, and folks, our our entire show tonight uh, has centered around Mudar Zakran, a good friend of the show, a good friend of uh, Diane and mine personally. Uh, the Secretary General of the Jordanian Opposition Coalition. Um, and, you know, w- when we started talking about having you on the show, we we told people, you don't want to miss this show. You know, you're going to get more information. You're going to learn more uh, in one hour than, than you're going to learn in six months or a year from any other source. And, Mudar, I can't thank you enough uh, for, for being with us, especially, I mean, it's in the middle of the night, uh, where you are and, uh, it it means the world to us, uh, and, and to our audience to have somebody who can come on and, and talk about these situations in a clear and concise way with insight and honest knowledge of those situations. Yes. And we can thank you so much, my friends for having me. And uh, it's always been a privilege and a pleasure to speak to well-informed hosts like yourselves. And definitely with the right kind of audience, which we uh, yearn to, to talk to. Well, right. you you know, if if you ever, uh, you know, regardless of whether we have contacted you and said, you know, hey, Mudar, you want to come on the show? If you have anything that you think needs to get out there, you know you can contact us, and we will make time for you on our program. Well, let's pray that the next meeting, the next interview will take place from Amman, Jordan, at the Presidential Palace. Uh, that would be I, terrific. I, I, would, I would love that, but I'll tell you what I would love even more is if we could meet face-to-face there. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be great. <laughs> Folks, our special Thank guest tonight so much, is, is Mudar Zakran. And Mudar, once again, just thank you so much for everything that you have done for this show over the years. And we look forward to many, many more of these great conversations. Yes, we do. And stay safe above all else and your family as well. Thank you so much. And God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you. Thank you. And Diane, that pretty much wraps it up for us tonight. Yes. Yes. And uh, it's always great to have Moodar on. And um, we'll be in contact with him again. We certainly will. Time to say goodnight. 
Okay, guys. Nighty-night. We'll see you on Tuesday. Have yourselves a great weekend, folks. Make it the best ever. We'll catch up with you on Tuesday night. Bye-bye.